Hey, you guys are looking good. Yeah. Hey, I, I, was, I, was, I was also setting you up, because the right response is the same to you. <laughs> In fact, somebody said, no, you're not you're looking sharp. Yeah. It's hanging out with Akina Devi behind there, causing me to do these things. So good to see you. This is a month of love, and I have the pleasure to bring this word to you this month. And uh, I'm looking forward to something happening in our lives this month. Eh? So allow me to start this message with a question. One question, question of the day. It's going to go up there right now. What made you know that you were in love? It presupposes that you have been in love. Eh? So what made you know that you are in love? Let me hear. What made you know that you were in love? We're going to be talking about love, but what made you know that you were in love? And then I want just one response. Now, in your group, someone, what made you know you were in love? Kate, is your hand up? Or you're not lifting up your hand? What made you know that you're in love? We need to. No, no, Mongesana. Just one, one person tell me what made them know that you're in love. Please give a mic to, to Winnie Wamaik. Good morning, church. Yeah. Uh, my name is Winnie, so. We're just chatting here. How do you know that you're in love? Uh, for those who are not married, we took a ground in a different. What are you? You need Jesus in your marriage. But anyway, the question is, how did we know? First and foremost, I think what is uh, common is you want to be with that person all the time. Yeah. When you see them, your heart skips a beat. Yeah. You just want, even if you have nothing to say, you just want to speak to them, be around them. You feel at ease. You don't feel like you want to impress them. You just want to, you know, be yourself. Yep. Yes. So just being around them, you want to speak to them even when you have nothing to say. Yep. And when you see them, you just like... Yeah. Okay, that thing, I don't know what that is. Yes. You know that feeling, I'm going to strange. Anyway, I can validate it for you, Winnie, because for me it was like that. For me, it was feeling, hey, you want just to spend time with her, my, my, my darling wife here, and you just want to have conversations, long conversations. In fact, she says that I could never, I couldn't let go of her hand. Uh, uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Nangia supermarket mshikana mikono. You know, on the streets. And now I'm trying to imagine it. Anyway. You see, there's nothing as exciting as being in a romantic relationship. There are few things in life that can get there. You know, just those feelings of wanting to be with them, looking into their eyes, feeling understood, just that kind of feeling that you are describing. That's how it starts out. And at that point, it feels like this thing will never end. It will go on forever. The problem, though, is that the road to lasting love is full of potholes and speed bumps. And what begins as romantic moments, wanting to be each other, becomes things that are far between. We then begin to stay away from each other. We even look for excuses, activities, and work to not spend time together. Because eventually what started as a very exciting thing ends up being something that we now have silent treatment, or even sometimes rude exchanges, quarrels, and disagreements. And we wonder how it comes to that. And the question we have is, how is this love that was so deep suddenly become distance, suddenly becomes disagreement, suddenly becomes disappointments? And you begin to ask, how can I avoid being a casualty of broken relationships or bad relationships? Or what do we need to do to ensure that our relationships last the distance and go all the way? And if you've asked these questions, then I'm so glad you're here this month because we are beginning a brand new series, exciting one, called Love Island. Finding the relationship that lasts. And you know, many people enter these relationships, romantic relationships, with looking forward for nothing else but bliss. It feels like we're on this romantic island all by ourselves, the crystal clear seas, you know, hammock in the afternoon, looking into each other's eyes. We're on that island, eh? But however, when we hit the inevitable rumble strips and, and bumps, it ends up feeling like we are now marooned on that island and we are stuck. And we are wondering, can we go back? Can we go out? Can we go back to where this thing was bliss? Is it possible to do that? And what was a love island turns out to be a place where we are marooned. And so we begin to ask the question, how did we get there? And is it possible to rescue our relationship to go back to what it was? As we begin, I want to tell you, you know, you might just have heard this and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, we are back to that month of love. Maybe I should just go to another church or, you know, turn on online or go to bed by Bedside Baptist and pray myself. Eh? But I want to tell you that if you are single and hopefully wanting to get married one day, then this is a series for you. And probably you should actually be fighting for the front row here. Uh, you <laughs> Because the, 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 you can save yourself years of heartache just by listening to what we'll be able to share this, this month. And you'll also be able to avoid those disappointments in the future. It's also for you if you're dating or engaged. Right now it might feel like that blissful time, looking into each other's eyes and so on. But uh, you need to be able to learn from those who've gone on ahead to, to, to understand just how to navigate the relationship 
so that you do not end up marooned on an island. If you're married, whether recently married <laughs> or long time married, yeah, this is also for you uh, because you're likely to hear many scenarios here that you have encountered or that you'll probably come to encounter in the course of your marriage. And there's wisdom that we can get uh, in this. And so if you're also one of those, please, kuja tupigani a front row, eh? Because this is also for you. But it could also be for you if you were once married, it's been a broken relationship, maybe you're divorced, separated, widowed. It's also time for you to have a reflection on what real love is and to just hear what God has to say about your circumstances. It might be very liberating to know a few things for the years ahead. And so this series isn't for you who is just there, who can own these categories. There is some wisdom that fall on you, will fall on you as we go on with this. And so let's uh, enjoy the ride ahead. And so when it comes to romantic relationships, we say that we each have a box of dreams. It's a box where we have our hopes, our desires, and our dreams. It's an invisible box. And this is where we have put in the things that we anticipate in a relationship. When we come into a relationship, we are coming because we actually want to be happy, isn't it? And there are some things we have that we know will make us happy. And so we come with this box, and in it, we perhaps want to know that we hope to have children, a child, children. Maybe one or two. You know the way you do one named after my mother, the other one of my father, and so on. So maybe at least three, yeah? You have with expectations for children. It could also be that you want to have an exciting career. You want a high-flying career. You want that you as a couple would be able to go out and make lots of money. High-flying career, you'll do business, you'll do well. At least, at the very minimum, you'll live within your budget, you'll not have struggles, you'll take your, your, your kids to school, and you'll be able to achieve your dreams in terms of a good lifestyle. Could also be the usual, you know, they say, they, they say what? Um, one wife, two children, three bedroom house, four acre plot, or four wheel drive. <laughs> Could also be that. Could be like you want to, you know, certain kinds of things that you want. Perhaps your spouse will get you a few things that will help you to be the part. It could also be like most of us. You want to be able to get a house, right? It could be a flat out somewhere in the in the in the town, or maybe we will buy some land, maybe in the Periaban area, Kitengela, Amaningong, Amanikiamburod, or even Karen, and build a nice house and live the life an expectation could also be that hey uh, you know I will live in a nice place that is clean and tidy all the time isn't it that I'll be able to impress my friends with you know that uh, the meals will be done a hot meal every night a gourmet meal for that matter could be that or it could even be other legit things. You know, it could be talking about, um, I, I, I want, uh, you know, that he'll be the priest of the house, he'll pray for the children, he will, you know, share God's word with us, 
the same time, he's not boring. Eh? So it's not just taking us to Catalonia and such places. That's the kind of hope and dream that you have for your spouse. And could just be that they'll be good with my extended family. You know, when they come, they will feel hosted. They'll feel like I have a spouse who loves and takes care of them. And so we, we, we come with this expectation. So it's about whether it's money, homes, or cars, or career, or money, or things. We have those hopes, we have those dreams, we have those desires. And there are several things that impact what we put in our box of dreams. Singyo, there are those course what we see around us. You know, there's a lot of social media things that cause us to expect some certain things. Senior. Yeah, yeah. A wedding by the beach, billionaire resort, Malindi, you know, with a horse carriage, horse-drawn carriage, and so on. Could just be some of these things that I'm saying. Maybe, you know, so we see what we see around us, even what we watch for media and so on, it gives us expectations and desires of this is how life should be. And I, enjoying life feels like this. And I want those things, and I desire those things. Could also be how we were brought up. What we saw when we were, you know, our upbringing. Our upbringing impacts a lot. So for you, maybe your, your, your mother was a stay-at-home mom, and that really worked for you because your dad brought in the bacon and the, everything ran well. And so you look like, hey, I'd like such, such a thing. You know, you hope that your children will have an environment where they can grow up confident because that's what you saw. Um, it could be that um, you, on the flip side, that your, your mother was a house, housewife and she struggled to raise you up. And then at some point, your dad deserted or you know people who've done that and you are left struggling. And so you are told, I know somebody was told by the mother, the best husband is your job. That one will never leave you. And so, of course, you come, <laughs> or at least, so you come with an expectation of, I will have a high-flying career because that's the way I know I can fulfill my dreams and live a life that is good. And so the things that um, we have seen as we grow up impact uh, the kinds of uh, hopes and dreams and desires that we have. And so we construct this box of dreams to ensure that things turn out well for us. And what happens, though, is that at some point in the relationship, whether it's when you're dating or in early times of marriage or even at the altar, this box of dreams becomes something that you take and give it to your partner and you tell them, make my dreams come true. Because anyway, that's why you're marrying. These are things you always wanted. And even though everything in the box is completely reasonable, it feels rational for you, the big challenge is that what is reasonable and rational for you, those hopes and dreams that you have, may not be um, rational to the other person. To me, they are innocent. But when I turn them around, they become expectations to the other person. And so what is a box of hopes and dreams for me, when I turn it over to the other person, it becomes a box of expectations. 
it becomes the bar that I have set for them to achieve. It becomes a weight for them to carry. It becomes their homework to do so that I can be able to achieve the dreams and the hopes that I have. And so it becomes like, if you do not do these things for me, I will be disappointed. And whether it's an active engagement or whether it's just subconsciously, that's what it becomes. My hopes, my dreams, the desires I have, rational for me, okay with me, the things I've always wanted, now become the things for you as a partner to meet for me. And so it becomes something that becomes for So I, 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 I want two children. Maybe they don't want. The thing we also don't realize is that they too have their box of hopes and desires and dreams. And they also, you don't realize, come to it and turn it around and give it to you and becomes a box of expectations. And so where maybe I want a child or two or three, they don't want any. Where maybe I want, whenever I wake up in the morning, we have nice conversations. You know, I want to be hugged and kissed and cuddled. I had that here. That's what I want. But for him or her, possibly in the morning, they just want silence. Between that and 10 a.m. Yeah. And meanwhile, in that silence, they perhaps expect you to make them breakfast and to serve them in bed. Before your cuddle. Because that's the expectation that they have. Um, I, I remember like when, when we got married, um, 16 almost 16 years ago, uh, and my wife was, so she came and started joining me where I used to go to church. And after the service, the first service after we just come from honeymoon, hey, when I get to the car, my wife is livid. She's like, you'll be certain, you do And it's simply because, how what she expected is, because now we are a couple, after church, we hang out together. So you go and say hi to so-and-so, to everyone together, you walk to so-and-so together, to somebody else together. I want to find out with a grey way, Kuliandaji last week about something, and I'm not seeing the need for that. Eh? Yeah, me and Kouko. So for her, it became something like you're being, you're abandoning me. My high expectations were supposed to be things for me to meet, and that becomes a challenge. And so inevitably, when we exchange these boxes, then our expectations collide. And when they collide, we, over time, we find that those hopes and desires and dreams are not met. And we are left with a number of options when that, that doesn't happen. One of the options is to exit. It's to say, okay, this thing's not working. It's, 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 it's not what I expected it to be. So you ship out. And when you're asked, you'll say, oh, yeah, she changed after we got married. Oh, he showed his true colors, you know, and he, he just doesn't want to. We're incompatible. You know those words that we use? We become incompatible because we have clashed and we're seeing that's the option. In fact, is it, I think Bishop Oscar will say, it's a situation where you have two needy people, highly expectant, coming into a situation, so it's you have two ticks and no cow. You know, you have a, you have a tick that will, 
At least there's one cow the tick will suck. Yeah? But now in this situation, it's two ticks and no cow. And so people do what? They ship out and leave. The other option that we can take in this sort of scenario where we have clashing expectations is to win, to win. And in many relationships, the stronger personality can bulldoze their way. So whether it's by force, and that's why in situations you have violence, where people now use violence to subdue and have their way in a relationship. It could even be used out of manipulation, tears and so on, to ensure that something is, goes your way. It could even be um, a situation where one um, uses control, so it's money. They have the financial muscle, so they determine what happens, and they essentially say, this is the box we're going to fulfill, and your box is, doesn't matter. Or they even through arguments and forceful arguments and convincing you and so on. And so you're pushed to a situation where this person wins and has their way. And in such situations, of course, you know, the winner is happy, but, uh, you know, the relationship suffers. When we got married, we were living, we first, so I was living in Kenyari, South Bay. You know those Kenyari flats? And so, uh, of course, got married, my wife moved into a house, and then we moved into another house, similar to neighborhood, Kenyari, same sort of house. And after about six years of marriage, we have one child, and then we're expecting our second baby. So she was expecting uh, our boy right now. And so at that point, we moved to another house, a bigger house, still in South Bay. Now, we, you know the way it happens with movers, you put houses in, you're tired in the evening, and then you go to bed. So, when it was time to go to bed, my wife goes and jumps into bed, and I'm like, oh, sweet, I am actually the one who's supposed to sleep on this side of the bed. No, you know, because of our bringing, I don't know if you, um, people in my generation, there's a way that when you go to sleep, there's a side in which the, the man should sleep, eh? The, the, the one that is supposed to be like nearer the door to protect and so on. Yeah? Papa Desi know that, eh? Kunayo sheria kwenu. And then, also because I was, I was a younger, I'm a last born in our family. So whenever we went somewhere and we were bros, I was always the one who was pushed to the corner. Sindio? So the, you sleep on this side. So now with that thing, me, I knew in a situation like this, see, I'm the one who sleeps on this right side, the correct side of the bed. And that side is a, wind, is a window on the wall. So my wife is like, no, why? She's never had that before. Eh? Why me? Anyone can sleep anywhere. I'm like, no, you see, that's the side that you're supposed to sleep because this is the one that, you know, the more protected side. For the she was like, Apana. in fact, me, I'm more afraid of this because we now had bigger windows. I'm even more afraid of those bigger windows. If it's protecting you, go and sleep on that side. And the argument escalated and went up. Finally, she just, in a half to, took the blanket, covered herself on the side of the bed where I'm supposed to sleep, in my view. So I was like, hiya, what's wrong with her? What, what do I do? I'm like, I'm the man here, I can't let this happen. So do I go and take her and shift her? No, I roll her over and push her. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I actually sat on the bed for a few minutes. I was like, what do I do? And then the angel of the Lord spoke to me. <laughs> I had a brilliant revelation. So I went to the sitting room. No, not to sleep there. You know, see, this one I had to win. So I went to the sitting room, I took some cushions from the sofa, and then I went back into the bedroom, and in the space between the, be the bed and the wall, 
I put the cushions down, I took a sleeping bag, and slept there on the floor. So it's, 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 it's because I, I had to sleep on the, on the right, on the correct side. I am the man, I slept there. And I was, boom, I had one. <laughs> Uh, the third response to a situation of conflict is to conform. You can conform. And the conforming is usually now the flip side of the winning. Whoever has won, you can choose. It's not a big fight. Let him have, after all, he's, you know, maybe we'll follow his vision. Yes, we'll do what he says, or we will do what she says. I can live with it and you give up on who you are and let the other person prevail. And so the situation is that you end up becoming miserable and resentful in a situation like that. And it could also be a situation where you, perhaps you're, you've been longing for a relationship and you're dating and this is the only guy who has come. So you're like, you know, the way they say you start with these expectations and by the time you get here. And so you tend to give in too much. You allow the guy to do whatever he wants because you want to. So you give up, you conform to whatever he wants. Yes, you will do that. Eh? And you lose who yourself because you're desperate to be in a situation where you want to get married. And so conforming becomes another way that uh, people respond. The other person is happy, but you remain miserable if you uh, conform. The other option is to compromise. And a compromise situation is what most couples take as an option. And it's a give and take. Nipe, nikupe. So I do my part, I do yours. Oh, I can take care of the kids, I'll help them with homework. But if it's a weekend, you know. So you, you, you're like, okay, let's do that. Oh, I'll pay for this and this. You do that and that. And so it becomes a give and take where you lose some, you win some, they gain some, you lose some. That's usually what most couples do. Um, and, and in these situations especially, I find in relationships, marriage ones, the two areas where most ladies compromise, or men, is where most men don't want to be challenged in terms of their time, how they spend their time, where they are and what they're doing, and how they spend their money. And so it will be like, see, as long as I'm a fees, I'm a rent. It's okay. Whatever he does, story ake. Or see, as long as he done this, whatever they do with that, And so it becomes some nipenikupe situation that most people uh, tend to look at. But if you look at these things, there's an, an, another fifth option, which we'll look at, we'll, which I think is a better option, and we'll, which we will talk about next week. So you stay around, and we'll hear about the fifth one next week as well as I tell you about what happened in our, in our altercation. Because when I woke up in the morning, let's find out next week. <laughs> so whether it's to exit, or to win, or to conform, or to compromise, there's something that is a challenge with these scenarios. And the problem is that it creates, it doesn't solve the problem it creates a debt-debtor relationship. Because if I put my hopes and dreams in someone and expect them to do them, and then we agree, you will do this, and me this, or that, and that, then it becomes an expectation. You owe me, isn't it? And so, 
I end up feeling like, you know, you have to do it. And if you don't, then I feel, again, like I said, you owe me. It's a relationship of two people who are in a debt and debtor relationship. And so when you do something, what happens in this scenario is that the first thing that goes away is gratitude. You're not grateful. If somebody owes you, see, they pay you. Yeah? There's nothing about being grateful, gratitude, I mean, having gratitude to them. I mean, if you, own, uh, if you owe the bank and you're paying your installments, they will not send you a thank you note. The way you used to do some perfume list note saying thank you. No. You were supposed to pay. You pay. And so that same thing comes into a relationship where then in each time you do something, then I don't, I don't feel like uh, you, you have done anything. And so it becomes one of ingratitude. And so what happens in the relationship? We end up beginning to owe each other. We rarely express gratitude and love and those kind words because these are the things that we expect. Now, the question that I know you'll ask is, uh, what do I do with my box of desires? Should I just pretend that there are things I have desired in my life and they're just for me? Or are these desires not valid or legitimate? Or should I just feel like I should have no expectations at all. No, 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 that's not what you're saying. In fact, for couples who have, and there are no easy answers to this one, yeah? but to couples who have grappled with this thing over a long period of time, and we'll be talking about this a lot more next week, I think we can be able to take their cue from something that they do, and we'll talk about that next week. But let's also look at what Jesus says about this. And, you know, Jesus, when he was asked, we've been reading through Matthew, and you remember when the, the, the Pharisees came and asked which, which is uh, the greatest commandment, and he's able to look at the entire Torah, and some 630, they say, different kinds of laws and regulations, and he whittles down to those two things. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 13 and 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. Now, for a married couple, love one another feels like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway, isn't it? But then he adds this. He said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And the question is, what does that mean? How has Jesus said that we should love another? And if we look at what Paul says, a bit in terms of following up on what Jesus says, Paul says the same thing in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, follow God's example, Ephesians 5 and verse 1 and 2. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now I want to underline that, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So what we hear Paul saying here is that as we relate to each other, whether in dating or in marriage or in any other kind of relationship, the command from Christ is to consider how he has loved us, how Jesus has loved us. And he says he came into this world, he had his own box of hopes and desires, and he did not have us meet any of them. Instead, 
What he did is that he says he gave himself, he gave up his life for us. He gave his life up for us. Now, I don't know about you, but this feels harsh. It feels a bit unreasonable, isn't it? It feels like Christ is saying, forget about your box. Forget about your hopes, your dreams, and your desires. And love the other person in spite of how they treat your desires. That's what it seems to be saying, right? But actually, no, I don't think that uh, this is what Christ is saying at all. And like I said, in the coming weeks, we're going to be able to address um, how and what to do about the legitimate desires that we have in our box. And even with that, even with those legitimate desires, what Christ is saying to us is that the first step to approach this whole issue of having expectations and desires and, 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 and the other is that we should look into that whole aspect of, of uh, loving, loving our partner. And loving in the sacrificial way, loving in the extravagant and reckless way. Because Christ said, when you ignored me, I loved you. He says, um, when you abandoned me, I still loved you. When you turned your back on me, I still loved you. When you broke my heart over again, I still loved you. And Paul says, just like Jesus, we must walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You know, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, while we were still rejecting Christ, he loved us. And that's the kind of, the starting point to looking at this whole scenario of what is in your box, is it legitimate, and how do I deal with it, recognizing that the other person also has their, you know, their, their, their hopes and desires and their dreams. And so in closing, I want to ask today, what's in your box? What's in your box? You know, I asked my wife, what's in my box, uh, when I was thinking about this. And it occurred to me that it's not very clear sometimes, especially those who have said, oh yeah, it was like this when you were married, and now it's different, things are kidogo different. It's good to know what's in your box. And I want to charge you that in this, in this next few days, think about what's in your box. You are looking forward to get married, what's in your box? You are in a marriage situation, just recently married, what's in your box? If you've been married long enough, what's in your box? Even for those who have been in relationships in the past and are not, what are their hopes, desires, and dreams when it comes to relationships? And the second thing I want to ask then is ask yourself, whose box is it? Whose box is it? What's in your box and whose box in it? Is, 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 are you giving somebody the extra weight? Are you giving somebody the extra uh, standard and bar that you have raised for them? What's in your box? What's in your box? And so we'll pick it up from here next week. And we're going to look at how do we then deal with these legitimate desires? And what do we do so that we are not putting others under pressure and causing them to feel like they have to do things in order to make us happy?